Lead. Succeed. The official podcast of the National Association of Women in Construction. My name is Angela Highland, and today we're going to talk about your career in the midst of serious illness or injury. If I had to sum up today's episode in one word, it would be resilience. The two women that I'm about to interview are ambitious and powerful and have both had to deal with devastating illness in their careers. Although their stories are very different, what you'll hear is a common bond in the support that they received and the journey that they traveled. And we're going to hear from them and some of the takeaways that they've gotten, some of the perspectives that have changed for them in their journeys, and some wise insights for other people dealing with similar circumstances into how they can find some perspective and some support in their own careers. So take a listen, and I'll be back with you at the end with some of my own takeaways. Hi, everyone. This is Angela Highland, and I'd like to welcome you to Build, Lead, Succeed, the official podcast of the National Association of Women in Construction. Today, I have invited two very special women to talk with me about a subject that I think many people can relate to. Uh, I would like to introduce you guys to Terry Michelak, who is a CRM diversity manager with Rogers O'Brien out of Texas, and Andrea Ward, who's a controller with Summit Constructors in Nashville, Tennessee. Hello, ladies. Hello. Hello. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, I want to give a little background to the listeners as to how this podcast came to be, this particular episode. We were having some conversations with some people, and uh, one person was talking about how challenging it can be to come back from serious illness or injury, to come back to the job site or to come back to your jobs in general. And I found that a lot of people were very interested in that subject. And uh, I was connected to Terry, um, who I, I reached out to and had a great conversation with. And then I also already knew Andrea and knew her story. So I thought it would just be really great to have them both here, talk about their stories, learn about them and their journeys so far, uh, not only in their personal lives, but in their professional lives as women in construction. And uh, just open this subject up a little bit because I think it will really resonate with a lot of people and help people to understand how to deal with a serious illness and be able to come back from that. So uh, ladies, if you're ready, I'd like to just uh, start with Terry. Terry, will you just tell me a little bit about uh, what you do at Rogers O'Brien and a little bit about your career in construction? Sure, uh, thank you so much. Um, I am CRM manager and diversity manager for Rogers O'Brien Construction. 
And basically what that means on the CRM side, which is a customer relationship manager database, um, I just manage our CRM for our whole company, handles our pursuits and our company history, personnel, that kind of thing. Um, on the diversity side, I manage the outreach to minority and women-owned trade partners, uh, just trying to get them better opportunities uh, for work within our company. Um, and also more involved on the um, division, uh, inclusion side um, within our company. Um, uh, we just recently uh, created a, about a year ago, a, a diversity committee. It's called RODIC. And um, so we're heading that up and having different people within our company uh, help with that committee. Very nice. And how, been, how many years have you been in construction? I've been in the construction industry for 30 plus years and with Rogers O'Brien for 16 years. Uh, started out uh, my career in California, um, even though native Austinite here, Texan. Uh, lived out in California for 10 years. Um, started my first job in construction at a temporary agency, actually building the, uh, or renovating the first airport hangar for Jimmy Stewart and I got to meet him. It was pretty cool. And moved back to Texas. And um, since, you know, my career in Texas, I've worked uh, in pre-construction as an estimator, mainly doing marketing now. And, um, and then just recently in the last year, switched roles over full time to diversity and CRM. Very nice. Well, diversity certainly is a big topic. We've been uh, talking a lot about that here on the podcast, and we've got some stuff coming up in the future. So uh, I know that that is a, a challenging new uh, position for many. And, uh, you know, thank you for taking that on. I think that's really cool. Um, Andrea, how about you? How long have you been in the industry? How'd you get your start? And tell us a little bit about what you do. So I've been in the construction industry for 27 years, started as a file clerk at a local GC and worked part time. And then eventually they hired me on and for accounts payable. And then I worked up and within five, six years, I was assistant controller. Um, and then I've, I came to summit around 2006. And I've been here for 15 years and for Summit, I'm their controller, which I always say is master of nothing because you're our fingers in every pot. <laughs> you do financials, you make sure that the office has got everything, you deal with human resources. It's It makes it interesting and fun, let's just say that. <laughs> yes, construction, always a challenge in every position, right? <laughs> well, uh, so I want to dive right in to the subject matter, and I, I, again, I'm going to go back to Terry. Terry, you have a really incredible story, so I know it's hard to contain it in just, you know, a few minutes, but um, can you just give us uh, an overview of the serious illnesses that you have had to deal with uh, in your life? Sure. So just kind of starting from the very beginning, very shortly. Yeah, um, sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so I was born with a lot of birth defects and um, there are things I, I'm having to uh, live with, um, deal with my whole life. Um, 
and they, uh, you know, have, you know, pursued me throughout. I don't know what the word is, but I've, I've had to deal with it my whole life, basically. Um, in uh, 2015, I uh, was divorced after a 20-year marriage, and um, four months later, was diagnosed with breast cancer. And I was just like, okay, I've had 60 plus surgeries, you know, just going through a divorce and now I have breast cancer. <laughs> and that was really tough for me. Um, fortunately, I had a good network of friends and, and uh, a great company that supported me. And I wound up uh, going through it was an aggressive cancer caught early in the first stage. Uh, the uh, uh, my company requires um, uh, physicals as part of its wellness program, and um, because of that is uh, the reason why we found the cancer so early. And um, I went through 16 rounds of chemo and six weeks of daily radiation, uh, lumpectomy, um, and after five years now, I've just hit my fifth year anniversary of being a cancer survivor. Amazing. That's so wonderful. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. So what do you think made the biggest difference for you? Because I would imagine that you had to, you know, you missed quite a bit of work and you mentioned that you had a really supportive company. Um, you know, in what ways were they able to accommodate you uh, to help you as you were going through this? Sure. So at the time I was serving as marketing manager and CRM and diversity were also parts of my roles. Um, and I uh, was responsible for the Austin and San Antonio region. So I wore a lot of hats and had a lot of responsibility, worked many, many hours. Um, when I was diagnosed with cancer, it was just a shock wave, you know, just, just overwhelming. And um, my boss, uh, the president of our company, his wife uh, was also, uh, fighting cancer and so fortunately uh, he is very uh, compassionate empathetic man and was pretty you know he and his wife were both there for me the whole time uh, that I he, he gave me the days off that I needed to take care of whatever and so anytime I went through chemo I always got sick after I wound up in the hospital um, we were able to kind of, I, I kept working throughout, uh, but our Dallas office stepped up and our marketing uh, person there kind of took over a lot of my, my roles. Uh, I, I think, you know, in our pursuits, um, they really took into consideration my workload and my availability and deciding what we were going to pursue and manpower and all that. And you know, they just worked with me so that I was able to manage keeping my job and staying on top of things along with, you know, fighting for my life. Yeah. Did you, um, did you find that there were people that worked with you that were having a problem with it or was everybody, you know, understanding and, and tried to really help? Pretty much everyone. There was one person that really didn't get it until her family member eight months later got diagnosed with cancer and then she got it. And, um, you know, 
she she had given me a real tough time in the beginning about taking off and i guess just didn't understand the ramifications of what i was going through um so but other than that everyone worked together i mean i was so blessed so fortunate yeah i would think that when you're dealing with something like that you know you really you you want to work i mean i'm sure there's days that maybe you didn't feel like it but you want to work you want to have a sense of normalcy you want to have a distraction uh you know and and still feel productive and uh even though when it's hard to do so um, I would imagine it it makes all the difference in the world to be able to have people that will work with you and uh, be flexible with your schedule. Yes, for sure. And it's also really important to have an outside network as well. And um, in my in my chapter of, of Austin Maywick, we had two women that had also been cancer survivors and they um, helped me quite a bit. Um, with the chemo, they brought me food, you know, they brought me a chemo bag, um, which for people that don't know about that, you don't know about that until you have been diagnosed. Chemo bag is basically, it comes with everything you need during chemo treatment, a blanket and uh, lip balm and games and just, you know, things to take care of yourself while you're going through treatment. Um, you, know, I, I, you know, what's real important to say is I ran across a, a couple of, of ladies that had lost their jobs because of cancer. And it, and it really just brought to light how fortunate I was to be able to keep my job. And um, my boss, his, uh, his wife recently died a couple years ago. Uh, she lost her battle. Yeah, I think too, you've, sounds like you've always had that good support as well, because this has been something, it's not new to you. You've been dealing with this from all of your life. Yeah, not cancer, but not yeah, cancer. other other illnesses, correct, in and out of the hospital um, at least once a year, you know, and still to this day, at least a surgery or two a year. Um, this year, actually, I just had surgery on my knee. <laughs> which was not related to birth defects, but um, yeah. So, um, you know, I was born with um, cleft lip, cleft palate, um, just a, a couple of other, I guess, imperfect anus and something called MRKH. And it basically affects me from head to toe and um, it's all internalized. So you don't really, other than the cleft lip and cleft palate, you don't really see, it's more invisible what I deal with. Right. Well, Andrea, you know, you, um, I know you a little bit better than Terry. So uh, you've been on your journey um, for a, a lot less than Terry is. So tell us a little bit about the road that you've been on. So um, I waited late in life to get married to my first husband and I was having back issues and my doctor said, you know what, why don't we just have you have a mammogram? You haven't had one in a while because I have breast cancer in my family. Um, an aunt had it twice and things like that. And so I was like, okay, fine. So they call me back, which I've been used to that because I had 
issues before that it's always been a return and they're fine we'll check you in another year well this time they sent me for an ultrasound and I knew by looking at the face of the tech that it wasn't good um, they immediately scheduled me for um, a biopsy well when they did that it was exactly six weeks after I married my husband and my husband and I have been married four years as of today. Happy anniversary. Um, thank you. <laughs> um, and then it was a whirlwind because I was told by my uncle, I mean, you get a surgeon, you get an oncologist, you get, you know, a plastic surgeon, you get all these appointments. And, and Terry, I know you understand. It's just, it, it, it's overwhelming. Yeah. Um, and then uh when i go to the oncologist he tells me it's stage two almost three hmm. um it was back towards my chest wall um it wasn't at the chest wall but it was big enough that where it was hiding i wasn't gonna find it and he said do you believe in god and i said yes sir and he said because you weren't supposed to find that wow. so uh, i'm very blessed on that i'm glad that you know went for something else and figured out this, didn't want to figure out this. <laughs> um, so January, 2018, I had bilateral vasectomy because they were founding spots in the, this is in the left breast. They found spots in the right breast that were clustering. And I asked for prayers and a lot of opinions and a lot of opinions were it's going to come back as breast cancer too. So I made the very hard decision to have a bilateral mastectomy. And you find out who your support group is on that. I'm someone who usually does the giving and having the receiving was phenomenal. Um, the ripple effect, you don't know who you touch until you have to be the person touched. That was something eye opening for me. Um, also slowing down and doing too much at work. I learned to um share my responsibilities with the ladies who work for me they could do it um my bosses before the whole month of december even our auditors we had everything done for end of the year and that january by january 15th we've never closed a year that quickly <laughs> so everybody was really great accommodating on it um but then i've had other surgeries since then because of other problems um, stemming from because it was um, hormone positive that um, I've had issues with my ovaries and had to have those taken out and then my thyroid and had to have that taken out so now I have to have um, still be on the hormone blocker but then I have to have extra pills for things that I don't have anymore Right. But my bosses were great. We would have one, since both the ladies lived near me, one would drop off stuff that I would do for a couple of days, and the other one would pick it up. And I was home till about March and then worked half days and did as much as I could. And sometimes my boss would, my immediate boss would come and look at my office and go, go home. You're tired. Go home. It'll be here tomorrow. I think it's amazing. Um, 
you know, the support that can come out, you're always going to have those people that don't understand it and don't have the compassion, right? That's a given. They, that just happens. But I think the best thing is, is that when you learn that your work is more than work and it is a family, and I think that's the key for a lot of people. But unlike the two of you, I think there's a lot of people out there that are dealing with this stuff in private and they don't say anything because they have a fear that they're going to lose their jobs. Like Terry said, there she knows people uh, that have lost their jobs. And, you know, how how do you help people? What do you say to those people who are afraid to say anything and they live with an illness or even a serious injury, um, you know, in, in private, they suffer in silence. What do you, what do you say to them? <laughs> That's tough. Um, the only thing I could recommend is just to be transparent, find someone uh, your HR person in your company and let them know what's going on. Um, if you lose your job, I mean, it It was, you know, let the chips fall where they fall. But you need to take care of yourself and you need to lean on a support system um, because that that is so important in your recovery is having that positive mindset being um, letting go of that stress and um, just having those people to fall back on. And if, if your company isn't willing to support you and, and to help you, maybe it's time to move somewhere else. Mm. I mean, yeah, I, I think tough. I think the same thing in that, you know, if the company is not willing to invest in you as a person, then you shouldn't be there to begin with that there's a reason why unfortunately you're losing your job but like Terry I've had friends that it wasn't it was a heart attack for one of my other friends and now she's got a job that fits her to a T and it's so much better so it's kind of one of those you know closes the door but another one opens kind of deal that you hate that a company would do that but then and sometimes if someone's transparent and they finally come out with it, you might find out that other people in your company are dealing with the same thing and that you have a support system that you didn't even know was available. Right. Yeah. I know that that's kind of with me. I was always very independent and wouldn't let people help me. And having cancer was a huge eye opener to just those people that actually cared. And by letting them help you, you're actually giving them a gift. And I never would have thought of that that way. Yeah, but, I think um, that's a hard thing for uh, for women, especially, I mean, you're both in leadership roles and you're both ambitious and, and you've accomplished so much. And I would imagine that having to take that help, I know for myself that I would have a hard time with that and letting people do things for you. Um, but the, it is a gift, and you're absolutely right, Terry. People want to do it for you, and if you deny them that, it it upsets them because they want to help. They want, you know, as we've all seen, whenever disaster strikes, the 
the best thing that comes out of it, the silver lining, is the way that people and communities pull together to help each other in any way that they can. So I think your words really encourage others that they they do need to talk about it and they shouldn't be in fear. Um, you know, and you're absolutely right. If if it's a profit over people situation, you don't want to be there anyway. That's that's not a good thing. That's not a good thing. So Andrea, you brought something up earlier too that I wanted to touch back. Um, you said, you know, you had a lot of other things going on. Um, you're very active in NAWIC, moving up the board of directors. You, uh, you're now a regional director. Congratulations. Um, but I know that this um, probably foiled your plans at some point. You weren't sure and you had to cut back on all of this ambitious uh, achieving that you had going on in your uh, other full-time job. So talk a little bit about that and, and how how that was for you. Um, it was, uh, when I was diagnosed, I was um, just sworn in or inducted as the mm -hmm. national membership chair. Um, and for those who know me, membership is my, I don't meet a stranger. Nawick has so much to offer. Love that position. Um, and then I was being president of my own chapter because, you know, ambitious, like you said. <laughs> and I had to step back from everything. Like it was, it was like a hard weekend. I remember that. I talked with my husband and I'm getting a little teary right now um, that I had to back up. Like Terry said, you had to back up and focus on you. And I had to say, okay. And I gave it all up, resigned from every position and went through the hardest part, which was the first two years. Cause that was two of the major surgeries. And started feeling somewhat better by about the end of the second year and before even the end of the second year was already asked to come back as vice president of our local chapter <laughs> because they're like oh we miss you and we, we you know you just you just you, we just 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 come to a meeting you don't have to do anything come to a meeting um and then was vice president and ended up um, getting back on as co-chair for national for the membership committee and last year I became president and national chair for the membership committee and so yeah it took three years but I came back and I came back with a whole different perspective that I think if I would have gotten what I thought I wanted then hmm. I wouldn't have been prepared for it because hmm. um, I now take more me time days more you know like you say Nawick's the full-time job if you're in it and in it for what it is and how it does and the support system and furthering women in construction like that's I absolutely love it I've seen it change, construction change over the past 25 years. You know, when I came in, 
mostly men were in control of positions. That's not so much anymore. And so, yeah, to be, but, but I take me time. I might take an extra day if I go to a forum or something like that to just decompress and come back. Yeah. Because it does nothing but wear me down, and I would wear myself out very much so before I had breast cancer, a lot more than I thought. Yeah, isn't it interesting that it takes something like that to really get our attention? Uh, we've been talking about, um, I, I made a mention the other day about, you know, my plate being too full, and then I said, you know, really, it's more like a platter than it is a plate. And, <laughs> you know, I went from having that before COVID and then COVID there was nothing because you couldn't do anything. And it, it really impacted me at first in a very negative way. I fell into a really deep funk. I couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. And um, it was another friend of mine that is also a NAWIC member who said, it's because you, so much of who you think you are is wrapped up into all of this achieving an activity because in NAWIC you can it's a safe place for you to be able to you know stretch your wings right and so then all of a sudden you can't do anything and and it just messes with you and but at the same time when you get a little further down the road you can reframe that exactly like you did and say yeah well I needed to learn some things about myself or the timing wasn't right or something like that. So I think it's always a matter of reframing that and, and really relying on that support group that just helps you get through because you can have that support group at work, but you've got to have a personal support network to help you through. Mm -hmm. So Terry, I would imagine that you have had a really strong support network. Um, so, Tell me a little bit more about that and the impact that that has made in your own life. Well, um, at the time when I was married, um, I'm a musician. Um, my ex-husband was a musician. And so I had the musician community. I had my Nawick sisters and I had my best friends and I come from a huge family. So just, you know, so many people just stepped up to help and to be there for me. And I just really didn't expect that at all. Um, so yeah. I just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a big, it's a big thing, I think. And it gives you that sense of hope um, that somehow, some way, you know, you've got people to rely on and that things are going to work themselves out and you're loved, right? Yes. <laughs> So I want to touch um, back to uh, what you do in construction on the diversity side, because I think that that's a really interesting position for you to be in. Um, you know, we've been learning a lot about DE&I and, um, you know, this it's such a big trending topic that can be very controversial at times because many people think that it's about race and it's not. Um, and one of the big things um, is to be inclusive of people um, that have any kind of a disability or an ongoing illness that they are living with. How are you finding that in the role that you play 
how are you able to help others that you're working with? Well, um, I know that, you know, with, with Construction Inclusion Week coming up um, in next week, the 18th, <clears throat> as part of that, we're um, rolling out a, a new program um, in conjunction with um, Culture of Care. And it's a program um, that AGC has recently launched. And within that Culture of Care community, um, you're, you're providing tools and resources to your employees to make sure that your workplace is safe and welcoming. I'm just reading this straight off their website, but it's free from harassment, hazing, and bullying. And um, it's, it's teaching and educating our employees on how to deal with those tough situations and just making sure that our workforce is aware and that they understand exactly what the meaning is of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, growing up, I mean, I'm going to equate it to me as, as far as that goes, you know, I was, I was made fun of and beat up and, you know, all that growing up. And when, when they talk about our, our workplace being free from harassment, hazing, and bullying, that, that just hits a huge chord with me. I don't have that at this employer. I mean, that's, you know, I don't have to worry about that, but I know that the other people have had to go with that in other situations. Um, but one, one thing I just, someone, uh, a friend kind of recently said this and it, it really kind of struck with me. It's um, DE&I is actionable love. It's me stepping into your shoes and feeling compassion for who you are. If you can understand their struggle and their privilege, you're halfway there. Our goal, the goal of DE&I is to get you past those blind spots, but help you cross that halfway point and become aware and empowered. And th that was powerful to me. That's very powerful. I, I think DE&I probably has more of an impact on the HR realm than it does anything else. And it seems as I'm listening to you talk about this, I can really see where if you've got people that are injured or, or coming back from illness, bringing them into the DEI fold is uh, a really great way to help them transition in and find that, um, that middle ground as they're entering back in. True. Very Have you true. had to deal with that at all? I mean, we have, we've had employees that have um, gone, you know, have been diagnosed with COVID, especially recently, uh, loved ones that have passed away, um, you know, heart attack, I mean, you had all kinds of things out there on the job sites and, and, and it, it seeing, again, my company is like a big family and seeing them come together and just supporting their, their fellow coworker, their fellow peer. They, you know, when they're in the hospital, they, they bring them home from the hospital, they bring them food, you know, they do whatever it is uh, they, that they need to do to take care of them. And then when they're ready to come back, they're welcome with open arms. And I haven't seen that before. Hmm. Yeah, I, I would imagine that 
there's a lot of that going on just because of COVID, because of some of even the, the people that have got the long-term side effects, you know, coming back because those long-term side effects are impacting people's jobs because they have, you know, they're, they can't think straight. Um, I work, I work with a guy, he's, he's a long-termer and he has, he really struggles at work. And um, he's one of my subs on the job site and his boss is ready to fire him all the time. He's like, he can't remember, he's losing tools all the time. And, but they have a strong um, DEI uh, at their company and they have stepped in to help mitigate some of these issues um, to work with HR and say, you know, this really does fall under a DEI umbrella because this guy could be impacted long-term and we need to make sure he's included and he's taken care of, and he gets the same support as anybody else would. So, I uh, I'm glad to hear that um, you know Rogers O'Brien is is really making strides there. So, hey, Andrea, I, what, sorry, go ahead, Terry. Just one thing I want to say is, and Andrea, you probably can relate to this. Is okay. So I had COVID last year, and then with chemo, you get chemo brain, which is chemo fog. And COVID, to me, equate the, the the COVID fog. I guess you would call it equates a lot to the chemo fog. Oh, but no. like like you were saying with the um, tools, you know, of helping people. Uh, there's so many things out there that uh, is for, for forgetful people <laughs> that help you, you know, to remember. And it's just part of HR, you know, pointing that out and and providing them with those tools. Um, can go a long way too, but that's yeah. sorry to interrupt there. <laughs> no, no, I, that's that's good. Um, I'm wondering, Andrea, if what what would you say? What words of advice would you give to somebody that's gone down a similar path as you um, that would help them advocate for themselves um, with their companies? Um, to um, you know, maybe find a more flexible schedule, or or find a way to find you know to get back some normalcy in their lives. Well, the big thing is, you know, when you get back to work, it's kind of, um, for lack of a better saying, it's like a death because you had to go through something, and and in doing so, when I've lost a loved one going back to my normalcy, like coming back to work and yeah, I might not be able to do full time, but just being there and just um, the camaraderie, we are very social people and we all figured that out during COVID, of course. Mm -hmm. um, and so it, it's, it's one of those things of, they have to advocate for themselves and to stand up for yourself. Um, I, being an independent woman as well, you know, my bosses were like, no, we're taking that away from you. No, we're taking that away from you. <laughs> you need to also ask, hey, can we see if so-and-so can do this? I know they're really good at it. And maybe you're putting someone in a leadership position that they are finally ready for. I was able to see that in my company here because of me going through what I had to, 
we put some more on another employee and she rose to the occasion and has blossomed. Mm. Yep. I think that's a very leaderly thing to do. You know, when you see things in other people, there's many people that may not want to do that because they're afraid that they're going to uh, find themselves without a job. But I think that that's great because a lot of times if you can push people forward and admit that you need the help and accept that help, you help everybody, right? And then those people come back to you because you've done a really good thing for the company. You've helped them advance in their careers. And your position is, you know, 98% of the time still going to be there when you need it. You know, I think those stories of people just getting fired once they get sick. I mean, number one, I think it's illegal. I think they can get sued for that, right? That's a discrimination thing. I don't know for sure. Maybe we ought to get a lawyer in on that. But um, I think that it, it just, it helps all the way around and it changes you and makes you a better leader in the long run. So there's all these little silver linings that come out of it. I love it. Through very Terry, tough circumstances. So Terry, did you, me personally, I found receiving the help was very humbling to me. Oh yes. yes. Because I've always been the one to give the help because it gives me joy. That's one of my love languages is gifts of service or, you know, gifts themselves. And so, yeah, I very much was able to see, yeah, that my support system that I have not tapped into before. Very much so. And in addition to that, I think you, you kind of, you reevaluate everything in life and what you had on your shoulders before with your workload, um, working 68, 60 to 80 hour weeks, you just realize that that was ridiculous, <laughs> that you, you need to let that go and, and just manage that stress level, let it go. I, um, I did a lot of meditation, which I hadn't done that before. Um, and I learned a lot of a new ways to really cope and just be more centered within myself. And um, you just have to do that too. And it, and it's life lessons. I mean, that's important to do, period. Unfortunately, it takes something like this to really wake us up. <laughs> yeah, we do push ourselves, right? We all work too much and um, take on too much. And, and Terry, you actually, I was gonna ask you that question is what other bits of advice would you have for people to help them um, as they travel along this path um, to help them with more self-care. I think we've all learned, even when you hear in the news, the, you know, the great resignation, people are quitting their jobs. And there's so many people that they think, oh, people are being lazy and they don't want to work. No, they don't want to push mm -hmm. themselves the way that they've been pushing themselves. They don't want to work for people and, you know, that, that don't respect them or, uh, support them. And I think COVID has put a lot of those things into perspective for people. So, yes. yeah, I really, I'm glad that you said that. So, And there's also a lot of associations out there that are free. Um, one of them, the Austin Breast Cancer, Austin Breast Resource Center actually re reached out to me when I was first diagnosed and assigned a patient navigator to me. My whole team, like you said, um, my whole team of doctors included a therapist. 
and they required me to see a therapist every couple of weeks just to make sure I was dealing mentally with with the cancer and everything that goes along with it and um, just just life life lessons and tools yeah a lot of them well ladies I, I can't thank you enough for both being here and sharing your stories uh, with me and uh, the listeners uh, I'm very moved by both of your stories. I really wanted other people to meet you and and see the courage that the both of you have to continue to get up every day and go to work and fight the odds. I mean, it's it's uh, it is humbling myself. So thank you so much for everything you do and who you are and taking some time to talk with me. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, yes, thank welcome. you. I enjoyed it. You're welcome. All right, you guys. Uh, we'll see you soon. Whether you are dealing with illness or serious injury yourself or with a loved one or maybe even with a coworker, I hope you got something out of that. I know it touched me greatly and I thought about Andrea and Terry both for days after that interview and uh, back to that courage that it took for them to talk about this and also just the journeys that they've been on and, and what they've had to overcome. I got a few really big lessons out of this episode. One is to get that support you need support at work. If you don't have support at work, then I would sit down with your HR department and, and try to figure out how you can get that support. And if you are just not getting it and it has become hostile to you in your workplace, then you need to go find someplace else that will support you and, and make you feel valued for what you bring to the table. You also need a personal support group. Uh, most people are getting it from their families, but you also need friends surrounding you as well that can help you. People that can help you get things done in your day. And you also have to let them help you. Uh, that's, that's a big one um, for, for women in construction. I know, you know, we, we want to be out there and we want to handle our business, but it's okay. It's okay to ask for help. And I think that message needs to be heard by a lot of people. The other lesson would be to not struggle alone. Dealing with that kind of illness, uh, you know, sometimes you may have a family to lean on, but sometimes you don't. Maybe your family lives far away from you, or maybe you live alone. I would say to reach out and try to find people to connect to, whether that's a support group whether you have NAWIC sisters you can lean on, uh, anything that you need. Don't struggle alone. And the final lesson uh, that I keep coming back to time and time again over these past couple of years, especially after the pandemic, is to reframe the picture. We have to find the positive. And, and we have to be able to identify a silver lining so that we can have hope and be able to overcome and be able to move past these, it, these things in our lives that uh, drag us down and, and, and are heavy on our hearts. 
There are support groups that you can lean on. Um, you know, Terry talked about that in the interview. And I hope that you all find encouragement and hope in the message that you heard today. And I would really like to thank Terry Michelak and Andrea Ward both for coming and opening up about this and their journeys. I'd also like to thank our sponsor and partner, Touch Plan, who, without whom, this none of this would be possible. So thanks to all involved, and I'll be speaking with you next time. And just remember, we are just getting started. <music>